Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Twin Cities by Night and our third story arc, Dread. Dread is set in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis and St. Paul, in the hot and humid summer of 2011. Join us again and continue to follow the journey of Katow, played by Quinn, and William, played by Slavic, as they continue to traverse the dark society held within the Twin Cities. They will be joined by three new kindred, Warren, a Tremere, played by Adam, Valentine, a Nosferatu, played by Alex, and Lenny, a Nosferatu, played by Andrew. The quarter will find themselves joined together by a sense of dread. If you would like to contact us, you can follow us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our third prelude for Twin Cities by Night Dread, which is our third story arc. Uh, Our preludes were either A, going to be going over like a recap with characters who have already been established in the first two uh, story arcs, or we're going to go over character creation sessions. So this one, we're going to be going over with my pal Slavic here, who plays William Strother Adventure. We're going to be going over... Hey, yeah, say hi, Slavic. Sorry about that. <laughs> and uh, we are going to uh, kind of go over uh, the history of his character, like his mortal life, because unlike the other games, most of the other games on our channel where you guys see the character creation sessions, uh, we didn't do one for Twin Cities by Night. So I thought this would be a good thing to, because there's some things that we did in the character creation session for William that maybe didn't get the light of day or maybe were hinted at or mentioned vaguely in the game. So I thought to get you guys more of an and insight. they sort of affect his actions. But they're not overly stated, so unless you watch the first character creation video, which wasn't released, so only me and Chris actually could see it, um, <laughs> so back you wouldn't notice or know. Yeah, back when we thought that our YouTube channel was just going to be for us to go back and watch our sessions in case we had questions about it, like our reference, and before where we're at now, man, to think that that was not even like two years ago yet, you know what I mean? Holy crap. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So let's talk about, tell us a little bit about William, uh, his mortal life growing up in his relationship with his family and whatnot. Okay, so keep in mind that this was done quite uh, quite some time ago, and I do hope <laughs> I have everything, you know, lined up uh, like I want it. So one important thing is when I made William was, uh, you know, something that I could incorporate into both his mortal life and his kindred life. So I sort of said, okay, William will have daddy issues. So I I made sure sort of that he had a bad relationship with both his sire and his father. Yeah, that was basically the core, 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 core concept of the character. Of course, I wanted to be Ventrue, so I thought, hmm, Ventrue, okay, I'll make him an accountant, you know, make make him someone with money. But I wanted it to be like that he sort of split away from his family, you know, he, he made it on his own, basically. Yeah, talking about his family, tell me about, like, William's father and his mother, like, because we went into him, obviously, when you, we created your character, but what, what what did your father do for a living, and what was your mother's story? <laughs> uh, okay, so I don't remember much, honestly. I think, I know that the your mother was, was very like, important. Yeah, she was I know European. The, yeah, 
she was German, so Williams half German, sort of, but it's I think it's <laughs> popped only once, like uh, in the first session, or was it the first session that it? Yeah, it was the up? first session. We'll talk about <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, later. Yeah, but yeah, it's the first session. yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the first time I actually played uh, VTM, which was pretty funny. A pretty long time ago now that I think about it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, your mother was European and your dad was a kind of a, well, was a very successful businessman. And especially yeah. I would say that he was drawn to the Twin Cities because of. Yeah, because of all the powerful companies that reside there. Yeah. And people may have heard me mention this in the in game. There's like 50 of the top one, uh, 100 Fortune 500 companies reside in the Twin Cities, which is kind of, you know, not a lot of people know that, I would assume, because it's not, when you think of, you know, powerful cities that have powerful companies, you know, you're thinking like Silicon Valley or New York or something like that, or LA, but you don't think of Minneapolis and St. Paul, you know? Technically, that's also why it makes a great city for vampires, because, you know, lots of power and not much scrutiny, so nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so William growing up, what was your what was his relationship like with uh with his father? I would say that it probably wasn't that that good or what? No, no. His father always wanted him to do things his way. And uh William always went to sort of rebel against this and do it in his own way, but at first, you know, he tried to please his father and all that, but Afterwards, when he got older, he just snapped and tried to sort of cut himself away from his, from his family. So when he tried to make it, before he tried to make it out on his own, I take it he went to like business school and he went to like, oh, like yeah, college yeah, yeah, and definitely. stuff like that. Uh, and I'd say that actually he sort of did this all also on his own. Like his parents didn't pay his loans or anything and he sort of did it himself. Gotcha. Very nice. And what was his relationship like with his mother? Did he have a relationship with her? Uh, well, I think it was like she was there, but she wasn't a very, let's say, vibrant or important personality. You know, he liked her. It was his mom, but uh, she always seemed a bit distant, I guess. Maybe it was the maybe it was like the toll of being married to someone like your father, or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Being like a high exactly. society, maybe she was a trophy wife, at, you know, kind of like that. And she yeah, kinda, something like that. Exactly. Some to that extent. So when uh, William went out on his own and kind of decided not to play by the rules, like his father, how did he go about doing that? Well, he he became an accountant and all that, but he was crooked. Like he didn't mind breaking the rules, the law, or stuff like that. You know, and uh, help, uh, helped commit white collar crimes, uh, stuff, you know, and that's basically how he got into kindred society through this experience. But it was, yeah, it was, he, yeah, I would, he mostly did like dirty accounting, like cooking books yeah, and, exactly. and kind of like stealing subtly from companies and organizations. Yep. I would take, he probably worked for like some of the top the top companies that were in the twin cities by doing this. And this was in like the early to mid eighties, which was kind of like the, the, where like the Reagan years, Reaganomics and, you know, like all these, these people were making a lot of money at the time. And he probably found a way to siphon some of that money and, and, and kind of uh, uh, in a way, he's almost like a vampire uh, back then, you know what I mean? Like living off them. Did your father ever find out that's how you earned your money at all like that or no? 
I think he probably found out on his deathbed when William sort of oh. <laughs> rubbed it in his face or rubbed everything in his face. Yeah, so, so there's that, that's a good segue into into uh what I find to be like really like a core component of of William at least what I found to be the most interesting in his mortal life was how his father got Alzheimer's and and uh you want you want to talk us through that a little bit or do you want me to? Yeah. So, you know, uh his father got Alzheimer's. He got put into a what's it called care home basically a facility which cares for for people like that of course it was you know it was expensive and high class whatever and of course william to keep up appearances he went there you know uh but basically when when people were around he treated his father nicely and whatever but secretly he enjoyed seeing him suffer as he really didn't like him and also, you know, he actually uh, seduced nurses, the nurses there sometimes, you know, and uh, he was abusive. And yeah, it, it was like this storm, I would say, of like, of becoming for William, right? Like, the, you had yeah. the eye of the storm, which was your father having Alzheimer's, and all around him, you were able to control everything at the time, yeah, you know? Exactly. And, and you realized a lot about yourself, I think, at the time, too, because William, which which kind of uh, went into his uh, selective feeding when, when he became a venture, not only did he play psychological games with his father, and I'm talking about, like, cruel shit. Like, I'm not talking about physical abusive shit, but mental yeah. abusive, like, going there and reminding him and being cruel to him, and then his father forgetting who he is. And just imagine all the possibilities of someone who had a sadistic mean streak in them, and it was aimed at someone who they felt put a damper on their life or affected their life neg- negative. Yeah. negative. Yeah, and uh, But also that he started sleeping and having affairs and playing with these different women who took care of his father. So not only did he like control his father, but he controlled these women whose sole intent while they worked there was to make sure his father was okay. And, you know, and, and ta- I'm talking about like playing mental games with them or like having physical relations with them and, and just kind of like, um, you know, nothing illegal, but just definitely cruel and, you know, uh, kind of emotional abuse in a way, you know what I mean? With these ladies. Uh, and so throughout the eight, after all that was going on, and your father eventually died. I was. I wanted to ask you about this because one thing that I think we kind of, you kind of came up with well, throughout playing the Twin Cities was how William may not have always been as wealthy as he portrayed himself to be. Right? Like, was that like a facade, or was it? Uh, I think that was just the dots being sort of weird because they're uh, because I used like the V twenty definition and the revised definitions are a bit different. But <laughs> we sort of fixed that later on. But I don't think that's really what was important uh, because basically I took three dots in what was what's it what's the background called resources, resources. right 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 yeah. right right you know later on I took four took an extra dot there in exchange for a flaw because I looked at the at the V twenty descriptions and they're like a lot more let's say liberal they're not exact numbers so uh, yeah. i just said oh, okay this is good enough I'll just just to li- i'll live off of money without having to work or do anything and then their advice was a bit different but yeah yeah a little behind the scenes you know what i mean <laughs> to, yeah to a little bit 
some people may be like, why did you why did you run revise and why didn't you run V twenty? Well, I didn't I hadn't ran this game in fifteen years and revise was the version that was out <laughs> and, and frankly, you know, when I thought about running the game online, I didn't want to spend, you know, uh, I don't like reading PDFs. And I didn't want to spend a bunch of money uh, on a version. I, I just spent ten bucks on a used revised book, and then the rest is history. Nothing against V twenty. It's just the fact that it's what I knew at the time, and we just kind of have stuck with it since then. Now, you kind of attracted during all this the attention of who eventually would be your sire. Name with his name was Kenneth White's. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? Do you want me to talk about that? Uh, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it. You'll talk a little bit about it. You know, <laughs> we'll go back and forth, <laughs> tip for tap. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, uh, you know, after all this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one day, you know, he met Kenneth White, who sort of presented himself as someone who knew what William was doing. And William was, of course, freaked out, afraid. And, well... The short story is that Kenneth Gould him. William didn't know he was Gould. He did it, it in secret. And basically, Kenneth had him do, like, work for him. Yeah, yeah. It was more... He actually didn't know, you know, like William didn't know anything about kindred society. He didn't wasn't like exposed yeah. to the masquerade. He just had this guy who pretty much came up to him and was like, "Hey, I know what you're doing, but I want to mentor you." And kind of like I would say, like I I, I remember talking about this when we created when you created the character when we went over it where basically like there's a lot of like nights of like having drinks and talking about business and looking out you know what i mean like sitting yeah. in nice offices and looking out on the city and just kind of like this mentorship in a way i would say and basically he like like slavic said william was ghouled but he wasn't aware of it so he started like the feelings that come with being bloodbound started exposing themselves meaning his 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 utmost caring for kenneth and also his more of his uh, the beast was introduced into his system so all these psychological games that william continued to play with these nurses throughout when his father was alive he continued to do that you know but like the beast started coming out more and so because at this point your father was dead right or was he still alive yeah yeah i think he was dead already he was dead so william kept these relationships though with these nurses because it was almost like when a serial killer keeps trophies it was a constant reminder of like this power that he had you know so like his he you know what i mean just started becoming crueler and crueler to these people not as empathetic as he was before because william wasn't a very empathetic person at the time Uh, so what had happened was that eventually when you were you were embraced because you started doing work for him you started doing this stuff but eventually you were embraced or do you want to go over that, or I go over that, or did we even discuss well, like exactly how the brace happened? Or oh yeah, I actually have a write up for it in the group if you want to see it. Base. I remember that, but go ahead, yeah. Yeah. So basically, the moment you get embraced, of course, the if you're a ghoul, that blood bond breaks. So you know he saw Kenneth as a great mentor, whatever, whatever, and now suddenly he didn't. Yeah. And. Well, he started realizing that Kenneth was very similar to his father and all the mannerisms. Of course, you know, a lot of things he did. And he started to resent him more and more and more. And after sort of William finished with with the work for Kenneth, uh, Kenneth sort of abandoned him. He didn't care about him. He just, you know, do whatever. You're kindred now. Eh. Yeah. 
I'll add to some of that too. So for those of you who don't know, Kenneth White, he wasn't in the game too much. He was like in the first session of the first arc and he was like in one session in the second arc. But basically he was like this guy who was embraced in his seventies and he has like very uh, neat cut short white hair and like a, a, a white mustache and wears very well tailored suits, but not flashy suits, usually like brown or charcoal, you know what I mean? Of an older kind of style, you know? Uh, very analytical in his, in his way of talking, but that's all that really William knows about him. So when he was embraced, or when William was embraced, he basically kind of tasked William to kind of do a corporate espionage of a sort with another venture, Jonathan Chase, for a company called uh, Madrid Imports. And uh, basically, after like a couple of years of doing that in the late 80s, they were successful in this company, went out of business and, and, and basically got sold. And after that, it was just pretty much like Kenneth just kind of like kicked him to the curb, you know, not kicked him to the curb, but they both went their own ways. And there was no more like mentorship, all those talks that happened beforehand. And I would think even William probably got the sense that he that Kenneth was grooming him for what he did, you know what I mean, in the 80s there after he's yeah. embraced and then just had no use for him anymore. I was kind of like, okay, you you did you got this gift for me, you you pay you did what you had to do to get it. Good luck and sayonara. And I would say that's pretty that was pretty much I mean, what did he do for like the 20 years until the first arc took place? Yeah, I didn't want him like to do much. So uh I was. I don't think I've ever sold on that. I think he just made enough money and did it so he did, didn't have to do anything to actually have an income. You know, to have it just perfectly set up so he didn't actually have to do much. And afterwards, he kind of lived day-to-day as a kindred, learning things as he went. Yeah, on know. his own, and then doing his thing with the herd. and You know what I mean? Just kind yeah. of like doing these things that he couldn't really have done in his mortal life, you know what I mean? But but pretty much didn't see any other kindred for almost 20 years, you know what I mean? Maybe, uh, I say maybe once in a while occasionally, but it wasn't like those Friday Night Elysiums, you know what I mean? Every Friday or any, or any jazz like that, you know? Very secluded, very alone, I guess, in almost a way, you know what I mean? So, yeah. all right, so we, go ahead, do you have anything to add? Oh yeah, you know, it's easy for a vampire, a lot of people forget that, but it's easy for a vampire to just, you know, disappear or just not be that much into kindred society because there's like only a couple kindred in a city. So it's actually yeah. extremely easy to not sort of hide just or. But, well, yeah, that that's what happens. Okay. I mean, even some of the source books have even said, you know, it's perfectly normal for two accountable kindred you know, who've been accounted for by the prince to not see each other for like 25 years in, in the same city. You know what I mean? Like, it's just different cities are different. And I like that. That's one aspect I like about Vampire the Masquerade is I like to look at Kindred as naturally kind of being uh, uh, secluded yeah. figures. I mean, you have Elysium, but that's even a facade. You know what I mean? Like, I like vampires in that they're sort of like opposites. Like, they need social interaction to stay human. But they're also, you know, uh, uh, territorial sort of beasts that don't want social interaction. So it's, again, this, you know, sort of tug of war between the beast and the human. Yeah, definitely. And that's what makes the game fucking awesome. All right. We're going to jump into our first break. And then when we come back, we'll be talking about uh, the first story arc, Twin Cities by Night, Negligence, and how that affected William. So stay tuned. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts, or just media in general, 
that deals with your favorite white wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called White Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. All right, we're back. Mm. So we are uh, going to jump into the first story arc, Negligence. Uh, we're not going to like go detail by detail. If you guys want to watch Negligence, you can go watch. We have the full sessions and the chapter videos. Or if you're listening to the podcast, you can go li- uh, find the podcast version and listen to them there. So uh, basically, the beginning of Negligence, you were you were called by your sire for like the first time in probably a decade and, and said that you needed to show up to uh, Elysium, which was the, was the Hawthorne Country Club, which you showed up to mm. along with three under, uh, three under Kindred who, I mean, you knew of them you, and you probably saw them once, you know what I mean, or twice, or you especially knew Jonathan at the time, but you weren't really close to him back then either. It wasn't like you guys were working hand in hand. You just yeah. kind of knew each other, had the same goal. And you found yourself like kind of like in this conference room where you were told by your sire, uh, Kenneth White, and by the uh, Toyodor Primogen, Katrina Carrington, that they wanted you to look into a set of, of these pretty like gruesome, brutal murders that happened. And, and it wasn't because they thought there was any kind of like supernatural bent or anything like that. They just didn't want it to become a string and have it to bring 24 hour news cycle to the twin cities. And as you well aware, and anyone who has played vampire, you know, they don't want all the tension, especially on the cities, like just twin cities where they're already not in everyone's limelight and they don't want them to start to be. So they pretty much tasked you guys, find out what it is, make it stop do whatever you have to do. We just don't want to hear about it anymore. How, how, how did that all impact William when you were sitting in that conference room and during that whole situation? Uh, I think the most important part of it was that he sort of got sucked into kindred society again. And I think that was an important part for, I think most of the characters. I don't think most, I think most of the player characters were pretty solitary before hand, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, and I think the one who gave us this sort of job was Kenneth, right? Yep, it was Kenneth, and it was Katrina Carrington. Yep, it was your sire, who was the Venture Primogen. Kenneth White's is the Venture Primogen, and Katrina Carrington, the Toyodor Primogen. Yeah, so that also uh, brought up some, you know, feelings he had to deal with that he's working for his sire. Well, he was working for the prince, but through his sire, so he felt like he was working for his sire again, and he didn't like it as much. Yeah, yeah, right? Because especially how, because I, I, I remember distinctly him, like, kind of implying you guys were dead weight and you needed to contribute, you know what I mean, to the kinder yeah. society. He wasn't exactly, he was very terse with it, you know, compared to Katrina, who tried to be a little bit more warm and welcoming when, when, when she was talking about it with you guys. Now, you guys started looking into these 
murders and start the details of them. What, how did that all impact when you've seen that? Cause he had never seen, obviously I would say anything like that before. I mean, did it bring yeah. out any kind of motion in him or anything or that, or. Well, at first, you know, he was pretty, Oh, huh. uh, I think it definitely disturbed him, but it's not something he would say because I guess he's just not that sort of person that would say he's disturbed or, you know, show any emotions outwards, especially towards the end of the second arc. But that's a whole other story. Yeah, which we'll tap into, yeah. <laughs> so did uh as as you guys were going through uh investigating the murders, you guys had a, a couple interesting things happen. One in trying to find out what you could, uh, it was actually Katow who noticed that both of them had a similar tattoo that they both had. And uh, Ophelia realized just from her college days that she kind of recognized like part of the tattoo, the symbol uh, meant Lilith, which was, you know, and, and some Kabbalah he, Hebrew beliefs was the first wife of Adam as compared to uh, Eve. And so in um, trying to investigate that, you and Ophelia actually, Ophelia set up a meeting for you two to go talk to the Tremere Whip. Uh, I don't know if you remember that experience of walking in the house and like feeling dizzy. Oh yeah, this was an important moment because, well, I made it so, you know, William should have something he really doesn't like, maybe rationally, maybe irrationally. And I chose it to be like magic because it's sort of inexplainable. And, uh, well, I mean, he's a vampire, but still, you know, magic's still scary to vampires because no one trusts the Tremere. And, uh, yeah, he was, he really didn't like it because he wasn't in control at all there, of course. And, uh, that's not something he likes. Yeah, we we didn't um like like in, in Twin Cities by Night like I don't treat like the Tremere like a bunch of hocus pocus and ha 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 blood magic and yeah. I treat it very like kind of like mind bending like like reality distortion kind of like try to do like a Clive Barker feel you know what I mean where it's like uh, and that's why meaning like you don't know what's going on you you don't see them waving their hands around chanting any spells you don't know any of that shit and like i like what you say about william because to me it always feels like i always have felt until the end of the second story arc, which we'll touch talk about william always had like a grounded approach to to being a vampire like he like maybe in his head i would think would i be wrong in assuming that he felt kindred was more of a biological condition like you know what i mean just that hasn't been explained yet rather than like a supernatural yeah. or i suppose Suppose you could. I I I did make uh, William a bit religious. Oh yeah, but, I did. I forgot. Yeah, yeah, but it's something. It's it's a different thing to believe in something and to actually see it. You know. So yeah, 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 yeah. I think he definitely still hasn't come to terms to that. With that. Yeah, maybe that's why he's tied so much to material stuff too. It helps him, you know what I mean? Like to where he doesn't have to face that too much, you know? Because the, what what basically happened is that William and Ophelia went into this Tremere chantry and they felt disoriented and they felt like dizzy and sick until the Tremere whip like put her hands on them and then led him into the house and he couldn't explain it. And it was just kind of this disoriented feeling. I'm repeating myself, but yeah. And so basically uh, you guys were kind of found out through jenna who who is the the tremere whip that there's a stupid tall tale folklore thing about how vampires came to be and like it involved lilith and kane yeah. but like but she was talking about like 
how most a lot of modern people look at religion not a lot you know not like some but you know what i mean that's just something that you know there's no evidence of this at all and anything to that extent and she said asked in return aka your guys's first boon that you guys find out about a gentleman named roman dunstern looking to some oh, yeah. roman dunstern for her <laughs> and so this opened a whole different door for the, the group as a whole yeah uh because it, it, you want to talk about that or you want to talk about your the, how well to be honest it was less of a breaking point for william than it was for the others because the others uh <laughs> you know cal and jonathan had their important moment there but you uh, led to that actually i don't know if you remember yeah i led to that it was my idea to go see that yeah. and uh you know it was it was so, creepy and but, well, let me let, let me go back. Let me explain. Yeah. So what happened was basically William started went to his apartment and started online looking into like like companies and and what he could find out about this Roman Dunstern guy. And he found out that he was tied to a company called Colburn Trust. And like while he was ro- making the roles in game to do this, he botched. And so basically, uh, he woke up the next morning. Yeah, yeah. He woke up the next evening and found out that he lost some of his or stocks that he had had some of the stocks came crashing down in price because he had been, he had inadvertently tipped off representatives of Colburn trust that he was looking into their shit. So they were basically kind of smacking him on the hand there. And so that led William to get pissed off because William was upset. He lost a dot of his finances due to Colburn. So during the investigation of this murder, where like, where they're kind of yeah, like, yeah, 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 I definitely tried to sort of uh, manipulate the party into looking into it for for me. Yeah, uh, it led to yeah. something nasty. It led to basically, and if you guys want to get more details, you can listen to the Catal uh, recap, which will which should be posted before this, um, where basically they go to Dunstan's house, and and Catal actually is the only one who witnessed uh, basically Roman yeah. doing some horrible, horrendous things, and that kind of put. A, had a confrontation ha- happen in front of Dunstern's house where pretty much they got the vibe. Dunstern had no idea what they're talking about, but also said, hey, don't fuck with me. I'm here on your own prince's accord, and I know what you guys are, which kind of led them to think, what the fuck is this guy? Is he a vampire? Is he not a vampire? You know what I mean? They yeah. really they didn't really have any kind of vibe of what he was, and they didn't, they didn't further investigate it. So throughout investigating these murders, they kind of realized that one name had been tied to both these people, both the victims, and that was someone named Brandon Riker. It wasn't his name was tied. It was a company that Brandon Riker was on the board for, which was called Analytical Medical Solutions. I can't remember. I believe I remember all these names. And basically, yeah, uh, crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. So basically, through investigating and, and trying to interview, and it, it, there's a scene where Jonathan and Ophelia like dominated the dude, and 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 he said he wasn't responsible for the murders, and so on and so forth. The group gets a call from one of Katow's contacts who works in the hotel industry, and basically says, "Hey, there's another body here," because Katow had did some work on the side, and um, you guys might want to come and see it. So they go there, and they go in, there and there's another dead female, I believe it was, that was hanging from the wall uh like the other the other victims and jonathan almost frenzied at that time he actually failed his role <laughs> beast came out and you saw that and you walked across the street yeah. with jonathan to a u-haul center that they felt there might be cameras pointing over there what was going on in your head when you saw like a vampire lose control like that especially like a clan mate like that did it did, did how did it like did it have any effect on william or anything uh i think at the time william's priority was to calm Jonathan 
Like, he didn't want him to lose control. And I'm not sure what the long-term impacts would be. I don't think he would have thought that much about it, because I think it happens, you know, to every vampire sometimes that they sort of feel the pull of the beast uh, whenever something bad happens to them or makes them angry or whatever. But he probably actually thought more of Jonathan. He thought that he would resist. All right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you guys go across the U-Haul and you basically see a videotape that shows, uh, and it actually wasn't a victim, excuse me, correct me. There was no victim there. It was just a chains on a bunch of blood. And then you guys go and look at the video camera and you see uh, like five people walking out. And the last person you see walking out of the room is, was uh, Brandon Riker, the guy that you guys had been, that you guys had thought had nothing to do with the murders. So, uh, and then eventually found out that Brandon Riker's dead found dead the same way that the other victims were found and you guys got while searching his apartment got these invitations to like these this gathering yeah. and i mentioned this in the katal video for those of you who don't know but like i said there's all these different consp- wacko conspiracy theories that like the, the city's powerful or the world's powerful and elite get together for debauchery and all this jazz and it's been in different media eyes wide shut true detective season two we had our own version of it I thought would fit in the Twin Cities and everything like that with what we're trying to tell. And basically you and the quartery go into this 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 gathering at this mansion. William had an interesting outlook on it, I would say, compared to how the other players reacted. Yeah, he was a lot more, let's say, mission-oriented, I think. That's how I'd see it. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, though, the, but the way that – there's one distinct scene – I remember where uh, William... you remember when he pushed the <laughs> yeah he pushed the hook. yeah 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 so basically for again watch the video but just imagine a bunch of powerful elite doing drugs have a bunch of hookers walking around and just all that and William's sitting there because everyone like Ophelia's off investigating Jonathan's off investigating Katow or Katow's sitting there stressing out because the characters didn't know no oh, right Katow... he had uh, frenzy thing, yeah, right? Frenzy where he killed someone. And Katal's just like, I'm not digging this. I don't dig it in here. I don't dig it in here. And William's like, relax. Relax, smoking a cigar. Just like being the most chill of everyone. Yeah, yeah. I think he, he, like he, he said it's it, important right? to sort of, you know, fit in and the information which is, you know, sort of come to him. Yeah. So William noticed one thing, though, in there. When you were walking out, William basically saw Roman Dunstern yeah. in the room. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't know, just like that, like it's really weird how much of a figure Roman Dunstern, and this will yeah. continue on, had, had an impact on the group and how very little interaction they had with Roman Dunstern. You know what I mean? Just like like there felt like like his name always kept popping up, stuff like that. How did that? How did that whole that whole mansion scene? Because it was a long. It was pretty much the whole fifth session. We did three hours in game yeah. or out. Of, you know what I mean? And playing that session. How did that impact William? Um, well, I want to say that William, hmm, William probably didn't expect something like this, like to exist. He he never sort of, even though he was like, or he felt that he was part of this society, he never knew something like this existed in the Twin Cities, and. It was honestly, like, shocking. Like, he didn't know that, you know, they could actually get away with this. Yeah, because there's a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of drug use, a lot of sex, and then some 
very taboo stuff. You know what I mean? That was implied. You know what I mean? Uh, in that scene. Also on the side, there was some initiation that was going on into some cult, which it started looking more and more like it was more cult. I that, think only Aphelia looked into that, right? Yeah, only Aphelia. Yep, only Aphelia saw it, and it was really fundamentally shaken, shook her. Rest uh, in peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. I know, right? Uh, and and her and Jonathan talked to some two initiates into this cult and were invited into like this other kind of like not like a super secret gathering of them but more of like a hey if you're interested in our group come and watch this kind of thing but he also met another npc for the first time max max cleveland oh um, yeah max. yeah the red hair guy with the red goatee and glasses who was basically uh kind of like the guy the uh the guy who's responsible for like making thing the show goes on you know uh whatever people desired and stuff like that <laughs> what was your character's <laughs> Like, first impression of Max when you ran into him? You know, I basically saw him as, or William saw him as another sort of high-class servant that they had there. He didn't know that he was a businessman or that he actually, uh, oh, what the, how would I sort of, that he actually sort of procured all these illegal things and uh, sort of made hey. them happen. Yeah, taboo. Yeah, we we talk about in Katow's recap about basically yeah. how Katow has dreams of Max from when he was a child. You know what I mean? And like tied to like missing kids yeah. from a foster home of his. You know. So um, after that party, you guys go on uh, the next day. You go to this gathering at this home, kind of like a secluded home in the <laughs> suburbs of the Twin Cities, uh, where basically you're sitting in the car through the whole time. So I'm not going to tell exactly what the other. <laughs> player saw if you guys you can watch the session or watch Katow's but at one point Katow says hey I found a door here and you go and join Katow he believes he joined him where you went in there into the basement right into the cellar with them and you found <laughs> the KT who was strung along there and then you guys hear a gunshot upstairs because you weren't up there when Jonathan shot someone in the head and you go up there and you basically long story short again for people then go watch uh see these two women who are kind of like the quote-unquote leaders of this cult freaking out all these cult members had ran outside and uh you go in there or did you come up when they all died were you inside when they all died or did you walk by them when they were all dead i think i saw them alive at least for a while yeah 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 you walked in there when they were running out and you saw jonathan and ophelia there with the two females one is older one was younger uh you could tower there you uh throw them in the you guys when you leave you go out there and you see all these dead bodies just around in the snow. And at, at one of you guys, I can't remember who saw a fly crawling out of like one of the victim, one of the, the corpse's mouth when it, when it happened through the, the two females in a trunk went off to a secluded area warehouse and you talk to them and you kind of basically long story short, found out that they were the, they say they were the prince's mortal mother and sister. And they're basically told this tale about how the, uh, uh, Philip Brentwood, who's the prince of the twin cities, uh, basically even before he was embraced was sadistic. Like he killed his father in a hunting accident. After his father died, he like mentally and sexually abused his mother and his sister. His, he married his sister off to someone so he could get a dowry and get like, you know what I mean? Some money. Then he had her husband killed off and, and then he, uh, 
he was eventually embraced and then how basically he ghouled his mother and sister and he would sit there and just do these horrible things to them and then eventually he grew tired of them and he found another ghoul and he gave them a new identity and he gave them like a, a business which was eventually became analytical medical solutions and would have their, his ghoul bring them blood once a month just to keep him alive yeah. for sadistic like just being a fucking asshole. You know what I mean? He didn't mentally and physically abuse him as much, but he definitely, you know what I mean? Just wanted him to suffer. And I guess yeah. by being, yeah, by being alive. And so they eventually in the fifties met this uh, African-American guy named David. That was the guy who, who, who Jonathan shot in the head, who came to them and said, Hey, we can live off of, vampire blood we can hunt them ourselves and so basically they would find weak vampires you know what i mean and and obviously none that anyone in the twin cities knew about because no one had been missing you know what i mean during all this time and they uh they would sit there and use their vitae to survive and but then eventually they met a female who kind of opened their eyes to lilith and talking about being bahari and like basically pain enlightenment through pain and suffering and they started this cult where they would initiates would be given they would they would those steps and in, in initiation people can watch but one there's sexual steps and then the final step was when you got your third drop your third drink of blood and you were just like had all this pain inflicted on you and for the most part they would always survive it was just basically learn how to use the kindred vitae to heal your wounds mm-hmm. but for some reason people started dying during the, the ritual and it turned out was because the vampire they had was a, a, a super low generation or low or high generation vampire weak vampire yeah, he was a thin blood yeah 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 he he had a child who was a, he had a child who was his girlfriend who was a thin blood but yeah he was like thin blood a borderline thin blood you know what i mean and basically uh these bodies started dying. i mean they could both blood in they could be <laughs> yeah, yeah. 14th gen and 15th gen there you go yeah yeah definitely like that so like basically their blood because was strong, yeah Basically, thin bloods can't ghoul, oh, and their bloods just you know barren. And most of the, you know, uh, even I think, like a thin-blooded fourteenth generation has like a fifty or twenty percent chance to embrace. Otherwise, the mortal just dies. Something like that, because well, yeah, you know the I, blood's just so weak. And I did touch upon that because he told the story about when he embraced. Uh, Cynthia, that how basically he thought she was dead because she didn't come back, and then he got yeah. kidnapped. And when he came back, he found like she actually had been embraced. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it yeah. actually happens with thimbloods as well. That you know, when you embrace a normal vampire, it takes like seconds for them to sort of rise back, and when thinbloods do it, or when you embrace a thinblood does it, then there's a fifty percent chance that the fourteenth gen will be thinblood, and basically it can take. For example, the whole night, or maybe they'll even be dead during the day and just rise the next night. So yeah, it happens so that they just throw the throw the body into a dumpster because they think it's dead, and <laughs> then it's not. Yeah, so basically that's kind of what happened there. And so you found out all this information about the prince. And they said that they just started leaving the bodies there to fuck with the prince, you know what I mean? Like as a kind of a snub. Yeah. And also in the direction by this mentor who you guys never met. Now, Ophelia says she saw a lady in red. Yeah at this in the mansion who just gave her these weird vibes and just threw her off and like she basically had to leave the room because she started feeling panic when she saw this lady in red what was going on in william's head when he like found out all this shit about you know these accusations that this that this ghoul slash cult leader was like throwing at you Uh, well it was definitely a bit 
strange, you know, because we didn't actually have any interactions with the other kindred or anything. So it was just sort of blah, blah, blah. This guy's so such a horrible person. And we're like, yeah, but we, we hardly even know him. Like, we saw him probably, like, twice or something. Yeah, he wasn't, like, some figure that you became close with. And I would say almost it was, like, probably, like, just a tsunami of information. Like, almost yeah. how Jonathan reacted to shooting that guy in the head. <clears throat> or like, you're a threat to us. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like that was everyone's main concern. Like, holy shit, you had a kindred yeah. kidnapped in your fucking basement. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. We don't care what, you know, or Prince is an asshole. Okay, good to know, obviously. But, you know, he's a vampire. He's yeah, sort of but did he have a, did, But did he have a vampire staked in his basement, taking blood from him to start yeah, a call? Exactly. That, 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 was, that was the more important part, you know. That, uh, basically, we were cleaning up his dirty work, and he doesn't know it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which is smart because you actually had a smart idea. You're like, we shouldn't tell anyone this because this is like, you know what I mean? Like, like we should just forget yeah, that know, we know this. Uh, there's, you know, it's a really bad idea to try to blackmail or, you know, uh, really, really a vampire that's much more powerful than you because he's just, he's not going to, you know, just bend over. He's just, he's going to deal with you somehow. Yeah, exactly. So you guys let the Thin Blood leave. Uh, I think it was mainly because Ophelia was there and everyone was kind of in shock, you know what I mean, about what they had just yeah. experienced and found out, you know what I mean? We just didn't care or... No, he was just okay. Go get the this fuck out of here. Shut yeah, shut the fuck up. You don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. And we realized he was pretty clueless. So, yeah, he was a pretty clueless guy too, definitely. So after that, you all went your own way for about six months, and then we'll, we'll talk about that after the break. Uh, we're gonna cut off into our next break. When we come back, we are gonna talk about the second arc of Twin Cities by Night, uh, Homecoming, and uh, talk about the impact that had on William. So uh, stay tuned. High Level Games, the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin. That's highlevelgames.ca. Please, help. They're coming. And we're back. All right. So uh, the for about six months, everyone kind of went their own way and didn't want to, like, didn't really talk to each other or anything like that. Everyone was kind of processed stuff. Like, Ophelia even left town for a little bit and came back. But eventually, you guys kind of had a mandatory Elysium, which hardly ever happened in the Twin Cities at the time because you're, you're, you guys were going to be told that there was some, like, announcement that the prince was going to make. And not to knock how, like, people, like, run vampire or say there's one way or another. I myself, though, prefer not to have it where, like, I am the majestic prince, and I am telling everyone in this room, like, da-da-da-da. Like, no, that's not how it's, like, really done in the Twin Cities, but um, in the middle of the prince announcing something, these doors were kicked down. You guys were all kind of been there lying about, and this this figure came walking in, this African-American kindred who looked like she, you know, when I say look, not there's, like, an elder vampire look, but had the look of, like, an older vampire who was kind of a little bit removed from their humanity because of her ashen skin stuff like that came through 
uh, wearing like a like a kind of like a pantsuit and had a had a, a figure, someone that no one in the room recognized, that turned out it was a another Katif vampire. And basically, this figure that walked in was a Malkavian who everyone had thought had died in the Sabbat raid of 1945, but really she had just gone to Torpor after it and had awoken, and she was a scourge. And what and you find out what the prince had called everyone uh, to that Elysium was to announce that she had awakened, that she was going to be the scourge, but she kind of like uh, broke the news herself there with this figure and announced that this figure was going to be staked and left out to the sun. And you could tell like some figures in the room were like kind of blown away. Obviously everyone in your quarter was, you guys didn't even know what a scourge was and the primogen can go leave and the sheriff leave and the prince leave with, with this figure, Kimberly, and they, they just leave everyone else kind of in the room. What was your reaction to What was William's reaction to all of that when that happened? It was a lot because like doors got kicked down and it was just yeah. kind of, intense he didn't you know he was confused like everyone else probably you know what does this mean who who is she what what did she do or you know why was she in torpor and how actually old is she is she older than prince or not and what the hell does a scourge do anyway uh yeah like everyone was like what the fuck's a scourge no one knew who scourge was you know what i mean they're like who's this chick and it was just like who's that guy that like someone even heard i forgot who it was but heard like his vertebrae vertebrae cracking because she was squeezing his neck so hard you know what i mean and like definitely wasn't jonathan he was looking at the door yeah yeah he botched a punch he was a hot mess too because jonathan kind of had a negative reaction to like everything that happened in the first story arc and kind of became obsessed with trying to find the lady in red so after that, you're talking to Jonathan because Jonathan actually bought a club called Medusa and was trying to get you to kind of go into business with him on some like kind of like less than desirable kind of dealings. But you kept getting a text message from one of your herd wanting to see you, which you were kind of used to because of like all the mental yeah. games you played with them. And she was kind of an older lady. And, and that, that's one thing that I love about the concept of your herd is they're not all like young nursing home workers. They're like a wide, you know what I mean? range of ages from like early 20s to like early 50s you know and it's not more of a i don't think it's a sexual thing right it's more of a power thing i mean it's it's more about the blood you know yeah and uh it's it's important for every venture you know they have a pretty debilitating if not the most debilitating weakness there is and that's why they sort of tend to settle down and have to compensate with it by sort of being really powerful and making sure that no one can sort of hurt their power base. Yeah, and William's selective feeding for those of you who don't know is nursing home workers because of the mental yeah. the, the the mental impact, all this stuff he did to his father and the power he felt then kind of tr- transferred over into when he got embraced. So you had this text message where you wanted she wanted you to see her and you got there and you saw that she was like this lady in her early fifties and she kind of had like a nightie on and she was kind of had like was expecting waiting you there and she um and and she got murdered she had her her her, her throat slit and um I'm not gonna get oh, into yeah. details go ahead though what that, that was pretty horrific actually because I actually botched my frenzy roll and William actually licked the blood off the floor and whatever where where she was murdered. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you snapped yeah. too and you realized you're like licking on this carpet, you know what I mean? Just like trying to get the blood out. And it was very, I try, you can go back and watch it, but I got more in depth with, not like with the bloody part, but just how <laughs> depressing this lady was, how she was like 
older and she was trying to like to make him happy trying to pretend she was younger and just like it was just really i think impactful scene and on this on her cell phone later william saw there was a text message like like a message sitting on like the phone like it was like a text about to be sent out and i said i know and and it kind of like led to this string of like where um the, the different people in the group were starting to get messed with you know what i mean and one common theme was it being said i know and we're gonna kind of go in order a little bit right so like the first thing that happened after that and you're obviously pissed off by the way william was like pissed because he's like this is just heard you know what yeah. i mean and like he was like generally like angry like he wanted to find who it was and he wanted to like get vengeance for it because like you said to adventure yeah. you're like you're like impeding on his survival that means like you are like that's your like that's like a fucking back in the 19th century. You just steal someone's horse, you, you get hung. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's the equivalent of that. And so, um, uh, Jonathan School, she got raped uh, by a group of men, and yeah. um, and in, in, in their club, and and Jonathan found her in the in the bathroom, and on her forehead in Sharpie marker was written "I know" on her forehead, and. You kind of the, I, the reason I'm bringing that scene up is not because it's a sensitive subject, and I get that, and, and it wasn't done distastefully. But I talked about Catal with Catal uh, uh, Joaquin about this about how it impacted Catal because basically Jonathan like dominated her mm. to forget it, and like he like like Catal and Ophelia were just like, "What the fuck?" when they saw it because like this poor lady walks into a bathroom like a hot wreck. And just starts cleaning herself up and doesn't even realize why she is doing. You know what I mean? What happened to her yeah. that led to that? And it's just and 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 Jonathan at that point had lost to humanity from shooting that guy in the head. You know what I mean? And so yeah. like he was becoming more distant. How did that impact William when you saw that? I mean, I guess William was a bit used to people treating ghouls like ghouls. I mean, he was treated like that too. So I guess he didn't see it as anything out of the ordinary. And I'm not sure if William lost humanity yet, or if he no, didn't. he didn't. No, he didn't lose humanity. Yeah, and because <laughs> I remember that he did lose humanity. I just don't remember exactly at when. Very end. Was. I remember. Was like the... I'll bring oh, it was. I remember now. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So one thing. Also, but, you yeah. go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I'm but, sorry. Uh, I think it was just a fight. Just saying. Yeah. Like, like you and well, you and Johnson kind of had a. Point. It was pretty funny, actually, how he lost it with, with him just you know not doing anything. Where Katow just, just watching murdered the dude, and you know Katow felt all bad about it, and William was like, "Yeah, justice." Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much, he he. We'll talk about that when we get to there. And then what happened next was that um, uh, Ophelia's had this relationship, I guess if you want to call it, with this reporter named Brian Moore. Who had been yeah. in there from the first story arc, and 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 it's funny too because I talked about this at Catals, like you know, some people watch Twin Cities by Night, and nothing against it, but they think that like Ophelia was like the saint, and and compared to the group, I mean, she had a high humanity and everything, but she definitely had like her little, well, yeah, she, she used people still. She used people, and she and that and that Brian guy, you know, like he. Start, had feelings for her and she'd play hard to get then she fed off him which like even made him more confused you know what i mean and then she's like would use him for information and then she was looking into something with katow about katow the foster family who had gone to prison for kids missing uh from there because katow uh 
believed it was tied to Max Cleveland. And uh, she goes and talks to Brian. He gives her the information. She's turning around because they're at a coffee shop. And as she's like walking away, he's like, hey, Ophelia. And she turns around and he's like, I know. And he like puts the gun and a pistol in his mouth and like blows his, his head off in front of like this whole crowd of people. And just uh, like at this point, Katow is like, when am I next? Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Soon yeah. it like starts to get real panicked. And like, even like someone walks by him on the street and says, I know. And he's like, what the fuck did you say to me? And like, he, and this lady's like, who's this crazy guy who's yelling at me? You know what I mean? With furry hands. No, but um, eventually though, Katow Sire's killed. Uh, and we talked about that again in the, in the previous prelude, but you're the one who actually goes to your sire and you're saying, Hey, all the shit's going on. Do you remember that scene where you like, you basically try to give your sire the phone and he's like, I don't want to touch that thing. Whatever that, that I don't like those things, the cell phone you had. Yeah, yeah. And he basically says, I want you to find out, like you need to like find out what the, who the fuck is doing all this while I try to like get the power people in play to figure out what's going on. Dude, I don't know if you remember that scene, but it was kind of like, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I remember like shit was happening and, uh, I think, uh, I think as William said that he thought a sabbat raid is happening or something. No, he was wor- he was wor- uh, yeah. William, someone thought sabbat. Someone Wait. thought sabbat. Yeah, I, th- I your think si- your sire was kind of like calm down. Yeah, you did maybe, and your sire was like, "Listen, just calm I think down." I'm pretty sure William did. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, "Calm down. I'm going to try to find out what's going on. This isn't sabbat. Trust me, you would know if it was sabbat right now. You know what I mean." And just like go and look into what you're gonna look, find out what you can. I'm gonna try to get the powers that be to find out. And through investigating and all this different stuff, and again, people can go back and watch. You guys, Ophelia and Jonathan, went to a psychiatrist. The reason why they went to the psychiatrist's house is because they found out the guy who they believed had raped, uh, led the rape on Jonathan's school. And Brian Moore saw the same psychiatrist at this uh, mental health facility that was in, in, in Minneapolis. So he went to and they, the, someone at the, the hospital said that they hadn't seen the psychiatrist in a week. So they go to this psychiatrist's house. They, they realize they're talking to his wife and they're, and they eventually start realizing that this wife, uh, something's controlling her or whatever, because they look in the kitchen, they see three, her three sons, are tied to a chair and have like are bound in the mouth. You know what I mean? And one of them died. You know what I mean? There's like this rotting food that's on the table. And like she's sitting there waiting for her husband to come home. And then she starts banging her head against the wall. And then eventually she starts talking and, and the voice that's coming from her is telling Jonathan to get your group and not tell anyone to go to this mental health facility to talk to, oh, yeah. to talk to them. They just want to talk to you guys. And so you guys go there all thinking that it's going to be a huge battle and everyone's got guns. <laughs> it was kind of funny. And then you guys walk in there and you kind of see like this weird scene. I don't know if you remember it or not, uh, but the, this, the scene that's, that was in the, the third floor of that hospital. Uh, I can go over it or you can go over it to your call. I remember the scene like afterwards where we like sat there and the... Mm-hmm. Oh, we forgot something. We forgot something. Yeah, fuck, we fuck, forgot fuck. something. We I'm gonna add on that. Really we forgot something really fucking important, so I'll just cut all that shit out, and we'll go. We'll go to the um. We'll go to the important part. So there's a scene after all that shit's going on. Everyone's losing their shit, and after Katal's sire gets killed, you go back to your apartment, and yeah. you go into your you go into your apartment. I'll let you. I'll let since it's kind of a really critical development for William's character. I'll let you go ahead and go over that. 
Yeah, so I went to my apartment and the scourge appeared there. I'm not sure what the topic she of the was, conversation was. She was basically sitting there in a chair and you're looking out because you had this nice view of the Minnesota River in your apartment. Yeah. And she's sitting there and she starts talking about your belief in Catholicism. And and then you guys start talking about religion and everything like that. And she um she basically is trying to explain to you in, in, in a weird convoluted way, not like in a fish mouth way or anything like that, but tries telling you that there's an up, uh, underbelly to the city, like a, 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 yeah. a primordial ocean of existence that, that occurs. <coughs> and that it is that you guys, what you did in the first arc was like throwing a pebble in, the, in that in that body of water, and it just sent ripples. You know what I mean? Out, which and those ripples awoke her from torpor, and she's coming out. And she's trying to explain to you that like your actions, what you guys are doing as a group, are fundamentally affecting this this corruption that has happened in the city. You know what I mean? And she's and you're like like she's trying to tie it to Catholicism and your in your theology and trying to like get you to yeah. relate to it. And you're just like, I don't fucking get this. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there trying yeah. to talk to her. But she used dementation on you. And she actually yeah. rolls a shit ton of successes to where you're affected for a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. A year. Yeah. And so what it is is that you kind of see and hear just out of the peripheral of when you're by yourself, like out of the peripheral of your vision, like the primordial ocean. You know what I mean? You hear like like water, you know what I mean? A little bit. And you and you kind of like out of the corner of your eyes see it, but when you go look at it, you it's never there. And what kind of effect does that have on William when that's going on? Yeah, so William was really freaked out, really, really freaked out at first. Or, well, I think he was freaked out for the whole, like, duration till the last session. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he started becoming more distant, and uh he wasn't sure what 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 it was what it was supposed to mean or you know he had it explained but he didn't particularly understand it that well and uh so you know uh later on he started to embrace it a bit more he started to sort of look into the places where he sort of saw the ripples and you know uh, and it was usually the places that they had impacted, you know, as a coterie. Yep. And one thing too, I want to mention that happened before that is also, and just want to mention passing is the you had a meeting with Hardly Ellsworth, the real estate developer in the city. Oh, yeah. and he, he said he would fund you kind of doing corporate espionage, going against mm-hmm. uh, uh, Colburn Trust Company. And uh, uh, there was one other company, I can't remember the name on top of my head, but both Giovanni controlled companies. He didn't say yeah, Giovanni. Yeah. Against Dunstan. So yeah. the interesting part of that was that, you know, he was a charming, nice guy. And uh, basically presence didn't work on him. Yeah, you succeeded, and it just didn't have any impact on him. So, which will be an interesting thing to look into. That's one relationship I want to really delve into in the next story arc. So, eventually, you guys end up at this mental hospital. Go there, and you see that like there's this kind of like somber funeral—not funeral, but like there's flowers, and there's all these mental patients that are like dancing, like like to uh, somber like twenties music, thirties music, and you guys. Um, go sit down and you have a talk and you, in in long story short, you find out that Kimberly Harris, everything was an act by her. She wasn't like some mean scourge who wanted to kill Katifs or anything to that extent. She was basically had came out of 
torpor because of what you guys did in the first arc and that yeah. she embraced four people to kind of like bring out the to test you guys to to like to to build your resolve uh uh to, to, because she felt that you guys could um help combat Philip Brentwood or whatever. She just kept like confusing Philip Brentwood with this guy that she embraced Christopher Malkin, who like did the raping and, and like basically she said went off the reservation. She like embraced someone she felt was close to personality and the Prince thinking he would bring out the best in you guys to prepare you guys for your fate or whatever in the future. And he went off the range. You know what I mean? He like the murdering and all that shit was not what he was supposed to do. And she felt, uh, she felt guilty for like all the pain that he had brought you guys. You know what I mean? And she was basically apologizing, saying, "Hey, I did not intend." She basically thought she was doing something good, and it went way out of her control. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and she and it was too late to reel back in. And you guys witnessed at this time, and you felt comfortable, by the way, when you were around them for the first time since that happened with her. When you were in the presence of these other Melkavians, you felt like at peace a little bit. You know what I mean? Like you didn't feel. You even had this point where you're like, "Oh, I kick back." I'm like, oh. You know what I mean? Like you enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like being around them, and um, uh, you uh see her get diabolized by her child, who was for the longest time the only Melkavian that was in the city, and yeah. was the Adam Carter, who was the primogen of the Melkavian clan, and he basically says, "Hey, let's keep this between us, and if you do, I got someone in the back there for you who you guys have been looking for, and it was Christopher Malkin." And you go, you guys go back there and you see him staked, but he's sitting like in this chair. And it's not a chair, it's just basically people kneeling and like whatever to make him to be able to sit on them. And it's this room that just smells like sex and all the shit. Cause you guys had found out this guy before he was embraced was like a massive sex offender and so on and so forth. So you unstake him, you dread gaze the shit out of him. Uh, Cause you're excited oh, yeah. about dread gaze. Freeze them up, and the Katow just like fucking murks them. And you sit there and watch, and that's how you lost humanity. You botched your humanity roll. Yeah, and, I was. I lost two points of humanity. So yeah, that was that was pretty harsh. You go back to your. You guys go your separate ways again. You go back, and as before, you're going to sleep. You get this text message, uh, from Ophelia saying, "You know what I mean? Like, right before you pass out, like help." I I, th- I think Dunstern's about to mess with me. You know what I mean? I see him, but I can't, you know what I mean? I can't fight off going to sleep. I think he's outside my restaurant, and that was the end of it. That was how we ended the arc. And you had this moment right before you fell asleep or went out where you're in the primordial ocean. I don't know if you remember that. You you close your eyes, and you see the primordial ocean, and you see like a dark, uh, like a figure come out of the primordial ocean. Because like the way I describe the primordial ocean, it's like this black body of water. You know what I mean? On a black, black drop. <laughs> And you see, like, a, a figure come out of the water, and it's just this dark shape of Ophelia. You know what I mean? And then you're out. And then and then that's where we ended the second arc. So I guess this is what I have to ask you before we wrap up this section. What is what is going to be the, like, what has you most excited for this third arc to, 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 to look into with William? Well, <clears throat> well, I... Well, there's like the overarching goal of developing William sort of going through this whole, uh, I guess, primordial ocean thing uh, after he was dementated. That sounds weird, but uh, after the <laughs> dementation was used on him. Yeah. Uh, so that, and then I also have a, 
a small secret weapon up my sleeve that I want to use. And uh, hopefully it's going to be fun. <laughs> what, what's the, what's the, you gonna, you gonna hide the secret weapon from me oh, in the game or are you gonna give me a... Well, you know the secret weapon, but others, and especially the Watchers, won't know it, so I won't tell them. All right, so we covered the second arc here. Uh, we'll go ahead and take a break. And then when we come back, uh, Slavik's going to go over William's character sheet just so you guys can have a kind of see what where he has his dots aligned and what he spent his XP on and everything. So stay tuned. <laughs> Los Angeles metropolitan area is constantly growing and changing. The central district is full of new buildings. The Hollywood and Wilshire districts, once far from downtown, now are part of a which spreads past Beverly Hills and out to the ocean. Why is all this going on in Los Angeles? Why is Los Angeles an exploding city? Neon Masquerade The Demon's Mirror Thirteen Candles Three Chronicles Running Through the Undead Veins of the City of Angels The Esoteric Order of Roleplayers Actual Play Podcast invites you to drink deeply. Go to eorpodcast.com and search the duets tag to find out more. Welcome back. So Slavic at this point is going to just kind of go over. You can, I don't care how in depth you go, whatever. You know what I mean? If you yeah, I'm probably not going to too much in depth because uh, if you can, you know, hear it, I have a bit of a sore throat. So I'll just quickly blaze through this. So, of course, name William Strother, uh, nature conformist, uh, demeanor bon vivant, 11th generation venture. Uh, strength, dexterity, and stamina, all two. Charisma, manipulation, and appearance are all at three. Perception, three. Intelligence, four, with a speciality in analysis. Wits, also three. Now, as for talents, he has two points in alertness. One point in empathy that I took after the whole fiasco in, was it the first session? Uh, yeah, I the first talked, session. I, I, yeah. I, I have three points in intimidation, so 
that's always good for a bit of fun, especially with Dread Gaze. At one point in leadership, he's actually not that much of a leader, even though he's Ventrue. Uh, three points in subterfuge, you know, just lying, persuading, stuff like that. One point in animal can, oh, one point in drive, three points in etiquette. I don't think, did we roll? I think we actually managed to roll etiquette once. Yeah, I don't uh, remember. I don't remember at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you put points in there because you want to have a nice character, but it doesn't actually, you're never probably going to roll it ever, ever. One point in firearms because, you know, I just want to be sure because, uh, you know, we didn't know each other actually at the start of the game. So I didn't know what kind of game it would be. Fortunately, it was a lot more story driven than than not. Two points in performance. I think I want uh, <clears throat> William knows how to play the piano. Uh, two points in stealth that I took. How did I justify that? I think he just wasn't, you know, naturally trying to hide away from attention and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I would say through all the exploring yeah. and, and investigate, you guys did. One points in academics, one points in computer, four points in finance with the speciality, specialty in accounting. So, yeah, one point in investigation, three points in financial law. Uh, one point in linguistics, so he actually knows German. His mother taught him. Two points in politics, so one point in science. Yeah. Disciplines, two points in dominate, two points in fortitude, two points in presence. Backgrounds, two points in generation, so he's the 11th gen. Four points in resources, two in herd, one in retainers, which is actually, we didn't talk about this, but uh, William actually did manage to get a ghoul. It's this degenerate called David, right? Yep, yep, yep. And he basically works or owns, actually, this company that... Uh, deals with medical equipment and yeah that might be useful in the future <clears throat> two points in conscience you know he's actually not that much much of a <laughs> conscience dude four points in self-control you know he's very reserved four points in courage so he's actually not that afraid to you know do stuff four points in humanity because he botched that humanity role yeah Five points in willpower. And the flaw, Sire's enmity. I forgot about that flaw. That's why Ken was such a dick to you, huh? I forgot about, like... <laughs> I mean, it fits the story, but I'm so used to being ingrained in the story, I forgot that was even a flaw that you took, man. But it, it worked out well, man. So that's awesome, dude. That, that's pretty well. Sorry to make you read through that. I know your voice is going. We got to get your voice all healed up for the seventh. <laughs> So you got like fucking two weeks. I'll edit that out, but yeah, still it's a bot, but all right. So sweet. We went over William's character. We went over everything. Uh, if you guys have any questions for Slavic or the character William or any comments or anything like that, uh, you can always uh, leave a comment in the video. If you're listening to the podcast, you can hit us up on our Twitter, which is, should be, uh, which is said at the beginning of each podcast or Facebook. And I will always relay the message. Uh, thank you for joining us Slavic and for you, uh, Again, he's uh, 
he's on his sick bed right now, but he stepped up like a trooper to do this. So uh, uh, many, many, many. Uh, you actually played really well, William one session in the first arc, sick as a dog, and you stuck through with it like oh, a trooper. Yeah. Like I am not missing fucking the game. <laughs> which I would have been crying and just like laying in bed. So kudos. So thank you for joining us, Slavic. Uh, everyone else, thank you for watching or listening. And we will see you when we see you next. Hey, do you like World of Darkness? Do you want to introduce your friends to it? But there's one problem. Nobody reads books anymore. This presents you with a problem, doesn't it? You want to get your friends into these awesome games, but they don't have the time or wherewithal to read any of them. Well, that's where Brett the Hitman comes in. Brett the Hitman, your one-stop shop on YouTube for all things related to World of Darkness. Currently in the middle of his Werewolf the Apocalypse series, which is showing tremendous growth. It's going to the moon! That's right, watch Brett the Hitman and you will get style! Flair! Humor! And of course, some dank meme magic! Fucking normies! Brett the Hitman on YouTube at youtube.com slash I love other people's misery. So watch now! If only for the dank memes. Tune in today!